peace of Christ be with you. This is not an ordinary Sunday. We will gather virtually today, so many of you are watching from far away. Of course, using technology to broadcast a service, but keeping the service the same could be a little clunky, and you will experience some of that. But we thought it better to err on the side of familiarity than to try to adapt too much. Depending on how long this goes on, we may indeed evolve in the coming weeks. But for now, sink in to what you're used to. And with that, let's begin as we always do, with three deep breaths, so that your awareness might expand and you might recognize the Spirit's presence not only in this place, but in the place where you find yourself. Friends, let us worship in beloved community. Now will you all join with me in our call to worship. God is flowing through creation. God is above us, around us, and within us. God is awaiting our recognition. God is beckoning us into relationship. Let us be in prayer. Let us worship in love. Our hymn this morning is number 53, O God Who Gives Us Life.
do want to welcome you to worship this morning, wherever you may be as you worship. It is good to be together, if not in person, at least virtually. And I do welcome you to Westminster in its many forms. And we're going to join together now in our community prayer. Let us pray. God, your imprint is all around us, yet we do not always see. Your voice is present in every echo, yet we do not always feel. You are in every gracious touch, yet we do not always feel. We seek to not feel guilty, but to feel you, to be more aware of the sacred in all things. Open us to your already present blessing and encourage us to share that blessing with others. Amen. Our prayers continue in quiet. Friends, let us rejoice and give thanks for God's steadfast love. For God is slow to anger and quick to forgiveness. We are set free by God's abundant love. We are made new. Thanks be to God. Amen. So because this is the third Sunday of the month, this is our birthday blessing Sunday. So I want to offer a blessing to those of you who have a blessing in March, a birthday in March, or perhaps you missed a blessing in a previous month. And I want to share with you a poem by Wendell Berry. It's actually a poem that our music director, Ruth E., emailed me in the middle of the week. She said, I just feel that words like this are important in times like this. And I said, yes, I agree, and I'm going to use that on Sunday. So this is a blessing for those of you who have a March birthday, but really a blessing for all of us. It's called The Peace of Wild Things by Wendell Berry. When despair for the world grows in me, and I wake in the night at the least sound in fear of what my life and my children's lives may be, I go and lie down where the wood drake rests in his beauty on the water and the great heron feeds. I come into the peace of wild things who do not tax their lives with forethought of grief. I come into the presence of still water and I feel above me the day blind stars waiting with their light. For a time, I rest in the grace of the world and am free. So my hope and my prayer for you on your birthday is that you may know some of that freedom. That even in this time of heightened anxiety, you may know that peace, that peace of wild things. 
So to offer the blessing, if it's, this is your birthday month, if you happen to be watching at home with someone else, you might just lay a hand on a shoulder if you feel comfortable with that, or if you're watching on your own, receive this blessing. May God bless you and keep you. May God's peace be with you. May God's face shine upon you today and every day. Amen. Ask any children who are joining in us in worship today to get a little closer to the screen. Be since you can't be here with us physically, I brought some friends of mine to represent you. And the reason is, I'm, I was thinking about how there was a time when there were some children hanging out with Jesus and some grown-ups and adults were there, and they didn't really want the children to get close to Jesus. They didn't think Jesus had time for them. And Jesus looked at all the grown-ups and all the adults and said, if you had faith like these children, that's what you should have, faith like these children. So you are our heroes. Uh, so I brought some stand-in heroes that aren't quite as good as you to be here with us, with me today. Um, I don't know if I've told you this before, but my parents were both blind. I want to show you a picture that I found, and if my sister's watching this, she's going to really like this. But this is a picture of my family when I was close to your age, maybe. My dad was totally blind, and my mom was legally blind. And really, what legally blind means, if you haven't heard that before, is it means she could see a little bit. You know, she has those really thick glasses, and if she looked really hard and she focused for a while, she could see as clearly as you, but most of the time, she couldn't see that clearly. And I wonder, do you know any blind people? Have you ever met a blind person before? Someone that walks like with a cane like my dad did? or maybe walks with a guide dog. They actually train guide dogs near where I live in Novato, so we see them around a lot. Uh, but I'm so glad, actually, that I had blind parents, because it showed me a lot of things that a lot of people don't get to see. My brother and sister and I, we feel kind of lucky. My dad was a business owner. He was in food service, and at its peak, we served 1,200 people every single day for breakfast and lunch. <laughs> That's a lot of people. Do you think my dad cooked all the food? No. Do you think that's because he's blind? No, that wasn't because he's blind. It's because nobody can cook food for 1,200 people. 
so he hired people to do that and he ran a successful business and it did well and my mom was a teacher she taught at preschools she taught at Sunday school at church if she were living here today she would be teaching sacred stories probably she loved doing that and a lot of people think blind people can't do a lot but they actually do quite a bit because I was lucky enough to grow up with other blind people I knew blind people who were lawyers and who were car mechanics my dad was actually a really good car mechanic too he would just ride in the car with me and tell me everything that was wrong with the car which can I tell you, it actually kind of annoyed me a little bit because <laughs> it was my car. Well, it wasn't always like that. Blind people couldn't always get jobs and blind, there weren't always schools for blind people. And a long time ago, when that was happening, um, Jesus actually met a blind person. He met different people with disabilities. And what do you think that would have been like if Jesus met a blind person? Spider-Man, what do you think? <laughs> that would have been like if Jesus met a blind person? Do you think he, what would he have said? What would he have done with them? What would he, well, there's one very good way to find out. There's actually three really good ways to find out because we are an evolving church. You can do it the old fashioned way and go open your, ask your mom and dad to open your Bible to John chapter nine, or you can go to our church's Facebook page or you can go to our church's YouTube channel and see our sacred story for today and find out what happened when Jesus actually met a blind person. So. So as we come now to our time of prayer, this is the time when often in worship we share our joys and concerns and we want to make sure that we continue to share our joys and concerns with each other. So we have a couple ways to do that. First, if you're watching on Facebook, type it on in. We will see that. We will see that, and we will be in prayer for you and for each other. Uh, the church staff is also continuing to be available. We are in the office throughout the week, so send us an email. Give us a call. We certainly will be in prayer for each other. Um, but if you want us to be in prayer for you right now, just type it into Facebook, and we will see it. And today we're going to offer a bidding prayer. I will be leading the prayer. There will be a couple moments of quiet for you to offer your own prayers. If you're watching, worshiping with us at home, you're welcome to offer those prayers out loud or in the silence of your own heart. We'll be praying in quiet here in the sanctuary. But I invite us now to be in prayer together. So let us pray. Loving God of all times and all places, we are gathered today to worship you. Though we are not physically together, help us to remember our connectedness through your spirit. Wherever we may be, O oh God, remind us that we can bring all of ourselves to you. We can even entrust our hidden, our fearful, our fragile selves to your transforming power and your gentle and loving care. At times like these, O oh God, the valley can often seem so dark and the shadows so heavy. We can be so tired and afraid. 
Hear us now, O God, as we bring our prayers of lament and our prayers of concern to you. Loving God, we give thanks for your strength, which refreshes and soothes us. We give thanks for your constant presence with us in our times of despair. And during difficult times, O oh God, we also remember that there continues to be great beauty in our lives. Moments of blessing and wonder occur when we least expect so hear us now, O oh God, as we offer our prayers of gratitude and thanksgiving to you. Thank you for the many ways your spirit breaks into our lives and into our world. Awaken us to your grace and hope. Inspire us with your creative power. Peel back our layers of anxiety and fear. Enliven us to trust fully in your love for us. And hear us now as together we pray the prayer your Son taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
The first scripture reading is Exodus 17, 1 through 7. Listen to what the Spirit is saying to the church. From the wilderness of sin, the whole congregation of the Israelites journeyed by stages as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. The people quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water, and the people complained against Moses and said, why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with the thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, what shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, Go on ahead of the people and take some of the elders of Israel with you and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will be standing there in front of you on the rock of Horeb. Strike the rock and the water will come out of it so that the people may drink. Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. He called the place Masha and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and tested the Lord. And Moses said, is the Lord among us or not? This is holy wisdom, holy word. word to those who are watching. You may notice us glancing around in different places, and that's for a couple of reasons. In part, we have more than one camera going. We also have a worship team sort of smattered about the sanctuary. But it's also because when we look around, we don't see empty pews, though there are empty pews. We see you, where you usually sit. I had half a mind today to put a reserved sheet in every single space in the sanctuary because we will save your seat until it's time to come home again. The second reading is from John's Gospel, the fourth chapter, verses 5 to 15. Continue to listen for what the Spirit is saying to us this morning. So Jesus came to a Samaritan city called Sychar near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me? a woman of Samaria. Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have no bucket and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, 
who gave us the well and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Friends, this is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. What a strange reality in which we find ourselves. I'm sure some are saying, what an overreaction all of this seems to be. Is it really necessary? Others, I'm quite sure, are afraid, either for their own well-being or the well-being of those they care so much about. And many, I gather, feel like they're just along for the ride on someone else's journey and aren't sure what to think or feel. I wonder how you're doing today. And if you've had a chance in the midst of all of the frenzy around this virus to pay attention to how you're feeling and to give those feelings voice, because we can get so busy uh, working ourselves up into responding either in a frenzied manner or in a responsible manner that we don't take the time to actually notice what's going on in here? Have you given it voice? And have you tried to tease out what's beneath whatever seems to be coming up, those basic human needs to feel safe, to feel connected, to feel trusted, to feel as though there are those you can trust. I think it's particularly hard in a culture such as ours that so values individuality and values personal choice to live in a moment where our choices are being restricted or we are voluntarily restricting them. It's incredibly disorienting. I have to say I've felt a range of emotions when we started to consider how to adapt church life especially when we came to that moment and decided to suspend in-person worship. Here I am, here a handful of us are in this beautiful church down by the water's edge, and it's virtually empty. Maybe those who are filming, just scan around, show everybody what it looks like here. <laughs> yeah. Jesus is always here. That's that's the church, right? <laughs> always with You're supposed to be here. And we miss you. These feel like unchartered waters for us. But if you think about it, We've been here before. History is filled with moments 
in which Christians, actually like members of other religions, have not been able to gather as openly and as freely and in such numbers as we do here week to week, probably without even thinking about it. Remember times of persecution or other times of just simple separation because of geography. Often we have not been able to do what we do every week. And yet still the movement continued. I was reminded this week that Ignatius of Loyola, founder of the Jesuits, described his community as a communitas in Let's see if I get the Latin right. Dispersionem, or in English, a community in dispersion. That's how he understood his people, and that's where we are today. I once heard a nun speak about having to to smuggle Bibles into the Soviet Union when it was not safe to practice the Christian faith in many places openly. And so people worshipped underground in house churches. In fact, house churches were the vehicle for the faith several different times in history and in some places to this day. That was the only safe way to hand down the stories and the practices. In this very congregation at Westminster, just last year, on Maundy Thursday, the, the night that commemorates the Last Supper, we had communion in people's homes So we know how to do this. We've done it before. The desert mothers and the desert fathers centuries ago lived in isolation and spent time out in the wilderness, which is where they experienced God. They and their practices become treasures for us that we can draw upon to nourish ourselves in these difficult times. For our part, those who work at the church or who are leaders in the church, we're going to do our best to equip you to do just that no matter how long this goes on. Developing resources, finding new ways to be in touch. Our parish associate, Ted Scott, has already developed an in-home worship guide and we'll be disseminating that soon. So you may want to take advantage of that either on a Sunday or a day of the week. But in the meantime, remember that you don't need a fancy set of resources or a high-tech way of being church. You can pull out that old sacred book of our stories that have been handed down from generation to generation. The scriptures that remind us of how the ancestors lived and struggled with their faith and, and tried to name who this God was and what it meant to be in relationship with God and how to navigate things such as uncertainty and journey and war and famine and sickness. And those stories have been passed down to us and they help us understand where we come from. And when we understand where we come from, we understand where we fit in this grand, sometimes scary world. The Older Testament reading today, you read, wouldn't you know, 
about the people of God wandering in the wilderness. Uncharted territory for them. Uncertain land. They had been freed from slavery and they were wandering. And it was just scary enough that they started to miss the familiarity of captivity. Because at least they knew what they could depend on there. And they cry out to Moses. And Moses brings their burden to God. And God says, go on ahead and take the elders and take that stick, that staff that you turned the Nile to blood with and strike it against a stone and water will come and they can drink. And he did. And it did. And they did. And they named that place Maribon, Masa, which is trial and contention or strife and struggle, for that's where they wrestled with something incredibly frightening, and yet were provided for. Now, often when we hear that story, we layer it with all kinds of judgment. Oh, the people should have had faith. They should have known. They should have trusted that it would be okay that God would take care of them. And to be sure, Moses is agitated with them, and they're bickering, and they're complaining. Leaders often get agitated when their direction is not accepted or their people become upset. But I don't recall hearing God render any of that kind of judgment on the people. I mean, they were asking for water. There was no water. They said, did you bring us out here to kill us along with our livestock? What they're asking for was not unreasonable. No, God just takes Moses. And rather than giving judgment, God just gives some direction. And thank goodness they sought the wisdom of the greater creativity because the greater creativity gave them a way where it was impossible. Water from rock. Well, there's something in the water in the gospel story today, too. This time it's Jesus and the 12 disciples who are on a journey. 12 disciples, of course, being a symbol corresponding to the 12 tribes of Israel. And they too are low on sustenance. And so the disciples go into town to get food and Jesus reclines weary, we assume, by the well, even though he has no bucket. And he waits there. And a woman comes. She's an enemy, at least she comes from a people that he would have been taught to see as an enemy and she likewise of him. And he asks her for water. And she says, why would you ask me? Your people don't ask my people for water. And then he says, if you knew who it was you were talking to, you would know that I have water that I can give you that will be living water and you'll never thirst again. And to her credit, she says, I'll have some of that. It's this remarkable story in just a few Lines. Now, we often speak of Jesus as the central figure in these stories, and of course he is, but there are these other angles so interesting and full. Take the woman, for example, to engage across these lines and then to so quickly adapt and recognize what is before her as so many others have not recognized time and again throughout the Gospels and say, yes, I want that. Asking is brave. 
asking for what you need is brave. She becomes this model for us of this feminine wisdom that recognizes what she needs to bear life. And she claims it for herself and shows us how to do the same. And then there uh, is the water itself, which might as well be a character in the stories. It's this strange, mysterious water, which isn't simply a substance, but becomes a source as well. You take this water inside and you're not only filled for a moment, but you have a source inside like a fountain and it will fill you forever. So many people come to religion or come to spirituality for a quick fix just a shot of something to get them through the moment, which is understandable. But there's so much more. There's so much more to this water. It, when taken in, becomes access to the eternal and the infinite. And when we have that, rather than this uh, infinite, hollow side or peace inside us, this endless sense of scarcity, we're less likely to go out into the world and create the scarcity that didn't exist before, trying to meet a need that can't be met. Oh, think of it as, I don't know, hoarding toilet paper. <laughs> Not getting what you need, but getting more because you have a hole that cannot be filled. If you think about it, Jesus, like Moses, point to the same thing, even though Moses wasn't fully aware of it when he began, that access to the eternal and the infinite is ever so close. It's right around you all the time. They don't undertake the strategies that you would uh, think would yield water. Moses whacks a rock with the stick. Jesus shows up at a well with no bucket. And yet the impossible becomes possible. Now there's a mystical lesson for you. It's not one the church probably likes to tell because it might put us out of business if we actually showed you that it was all around all the time. Or maybe it would just change the way that we do business. If we recognize that our calling was not to go around convincing everybody that we have the best water, come buy it from us. And instead just saw ourselves as shepherds who lead the flock down to the water. And there's enough for all to drink. That's our calling. Do we recognize that? Just how close and how accessible it is. In Exodus 17 the people ask a pressing question, a telling question, maybe the ultimate question. Is God with us or not? It's this incredible line from the oldest of the old stories, and these old stories carry the kinds of questions that in some miracle we still carry today. And the way these questions get asked and answered hold us from generation to generation these old stories remain our gift and they cannot be taken from us. 
In my family, we're really interested in old things right now, even though we have a young child. In particular, in my family, it's dinosaurs are the old thing. What do you mean forced transition? There's only five of you here. Try to stop me. <laughs> but uh, we're in a dinosaur moment, and, uh, and they're amazing creatures in large part because of how old they are, of how long ago they lived, and how long they lived for. I'll tell you a couple of facts that will blow your mind, I think. Dinosaurs lived so long ago that when they did, the earth was on the other side of the Milky Way. Think of that. In the time since the dinosaurs existed, our planet has traveled across the galaxy. Here's another one. They lived for so long that there is less time separating humans from Tyrannosaurus rex than Tyrannosaurus rex to Stegosaurus. Say that again. Less time, we're closer to T-Rex than T-Rex was to Stegosaurus. Stegosaurus lived a long time ago. You know what else is interesting about dinosaurs? In addition to the claws and all the sounds and size and abilities they had. They had the same water we do. They drank the same water. They waded in the same water. They were rained on by the same water. As long as life has existed on this planet as we know it, it's been accompanied, it's been made possible by water. It's the same water that Moses brought forth from the rock that Jesus drank from in the well that day and offered. So I want you to try something right now. I don't know where you're watching this from, but I would be willing to bet it's within 20 feet of water. Whether it's a sink or outdoors. So take a moment. We've got time. Get up. Bring your device. Or just crank up the volume. Who doesn't want to hear louder? Me. <laughs> Apparently a number of you. And go over to your nearest source of water. If you have a child, even better. Let them go first. Their enthusiasm will burst the hole open wider between heaven and earth. And get a cup or a bucket or just stand by the faucet and run it over your hand. And just feel that for a moment. I'll give you time. As you feel that, remember where it came from and from whom it came. And even though we are so separate right now, imagine who that water has touched. Is God with us or not? the answer may be as close as your nearest water source. Is it raining where you are right now? That's how close. If you get scared, don't be strong. Cry. So that you'll be reminded that God is as close as your tear ducts to you. 
I actually think it's going to be a wonderful time for the church. I think it will be a burst of innovation as we consider how to do ministry in this day and age. Because let's face it, the containers we've been using in this part of the world for this unbelievable gospel haven't been holding people very well. And so this will invite us to think about holding each other in new ways. Not just virtual ways, but more flexible ways. Smaller groups, more dispersed groups. Who knows what the greater creativity will give us. But isn't it something that when we get through all of this and things change and maybe the faith changes for generations to come, you will get to say you were in the room when it happened. Maybe hunkered down with too much sanitizer and toilet paper, but in the room, nonetheless. Remember, we've been here before. We just have to recall the lessons of the ancestors. We just have to re-immerse ourselves in that fountain of living water which is around and within. We just need to do that until the day comes, and it will come, when we can gather again on the edge of this water. Until then, God's deep and abiding peace. Amen. As we move into our time of offering, it feels a little indelicate to say it, but the church continues its work and its expenses follow. And so we pray that as you are able, you continue your giving, either through your normal way of paying your pledge or by going online to the website. We are close to activating our text-to-give function, which will allow people to text their donation from a distance. So again, as you are able in this time, please continue to give to support the work of this faithful congregation.
Let us pray. Dear Lord, thank you for your blessings. Bless us with steadfast faith and your eternal living water that we might do your work on your behalf in this world. Amen. So usually at this time, I tell you all about what's coming up in the life of the church. Um, we still are in the process of deciding when it makes sense to meet in person, when it doesn't. We're following guidelines from the county. We're especially looking out for the most at-risk populations. Uh, so I invite you simply to stay tuned, to stay in touch. If you're having a question about if something's happening, give a call to the office. We're going to be active on Facebook. We'll be active on email. Uh, we'll be active on our webpage uh, to get the information out to you as, as it happens. And I also just want to take this moment to say thank you. Most of the people here today you have seen on camera. Uh, thank you to Tila and to Sean who have been behind the camera. Thank you both very much. Thank you all for being present with us today. One last thing, as Rob was preaching, I was reminded that Jeff and I have worked to uh, get a little playlist together. We've put it on our YouTube channel. Uh, to several different, more contemporary Christian songs that, you know, say you are just needing a moment of inspiration or just a moment to be present with God, I invite you to head over to that playlist. One of the songs on that playlist is actually called Something in the Water, uh, which if you're looking for continued inspiration from the sermon today, I invite you to check that song out. And now let's uh, sing together as we join in hymn number 541.
Following the benediction, I encourage you to stay on and listen for a sung response, fitting words for us in this moment. May the gracious, it's hard to say it without people here. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God who is Father and Mother of us all, and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit be with you this day and every day. Amen.